The topic, is, as has been said this morning, is what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? And I want to spend most of our time in Acts chapter 2 and in Romans 10. Um, I think I would, I would want to just read this uh, verse, chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, starting verse 14, and go ahead and read through verse 39. Um, I was thinking just pulling out of pieces of this, but I, this is a... Um, Peter's sermon here, and I uh, kept reading and trying to figure out what part I wanted to cut out and figure we weren't going to cut any of it out. So uh, we'll just read it. Uh, some of it will pertain to what we're talking about and other of, the rest of it just context for us. Starting verse 14, But Peter said, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. This is what was spoken by the prophet Job. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the, morn and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will Make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. All right, so in pertaining to our lesson today, what, what, are, the two, what are the two things, two verses that are key here? Or probably really three verses. 
37, in my mind at least, is very important. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do for what? To be saved. To be saved. I mean, that's their question there. All right, and so why, why verse 21? You know, why would Peter mention that uh, if it didn't have something to do with salvation? He wouldn't have. So this idea of calling on the name of the Lord, what is Peter's answer for them? How do they call on the name of the Lord to be saved? Verse 38, yeah, he tells them, repent and be baptized for the mission of sin and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is that being saved that's mentioned there in verse 21. Um, also, let's go over to Acts chapter 9. And was there, I, did, I failed to ask, was there any questions about uh, the sermon? Okay. Now, this was my question. I, okay. It defines a lot of times we'll have people who, not necessarily bring up call on the name of the Lord, but, you know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think Romans 10 really kind of breaks that down better, but we'll get there. Um, Acts chapter 9 and verse 21. All right. Um, verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, this being Paul, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? This calling here, was it only this, this mouthing of some confession or some, something? What, what exactly was this here? such a stir there in Jerusalem by being faithful to Christ yeah. and his teachings. Yeah. Like the idea that he would arrest folks. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you know some of those folks would have had a chance to get out of those punishments had they just renounced his name. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't even just that you could have called on his name, but you'd have to continue to call on his name really to fit this category that's mentioned in verse 21, even under duress and persecution. Yeah. I mean, I think if we go back to even Acts 2 and read from verse 40 to the end of the chapter, uh, that's another step of calling, you know, is is the continuance of this uh, obedience uh, there. So those that called on the name of the Lord in in Jerusalem would have been those people in Acts chapter 2 that continued there and you know and even the people that would uh, later uh, join the church there so you know I think if you just kind of start putting all this together this you know and just kind of think about who would have been referenced even in this verse it would have been those people doing um, what was done in Jerusalem which would have included a lot more than just hey I'm confessing uh, his name one other thing to keep in mind, in Acts 25, when if you look at the name calling on the name of the Lord that's used in, in Romans 10, uh, I forget what the Greek word is, but the use, the, that's the same word as appealed uh, that is used in Acts 25 of Paul appealing to Caesar. Uh, that just kind of helps me at least in my mind to, to think about what all the word could be used for uh, it was covered in the last hour, some of the other uh, uses of it in the New Testament. But 
it is also used of this appealing, appealing Paul appealing to Caesar. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Unless we have a lot of questions, we're going to be finishing up early. So, uh, I don't want to be, you know, too simplistic in this, but um, when you start, Romans 10 really breaks it down, at least, at least in my mind, to uh, what all is entailed in this calling on the name of the Lord. Let's start in verse... Uh, <coughs> mm. We're just going to read the whole chapter. All right, so we, we studied Romans 9 uh, not too awful long ago uh, in dealing with uh, the children of Israel there and how Paul is referencing and, and talking about um, them and, and their, God basically selecting them through time, His own special people. And this discussion of the Jew and Gentile is, a, is just going throughout all of Romans. You know, you have uh, Paul in Romans 1 convicting the Gentiles of sin in chapter 2, the Jews... And then in three, everybody's guilty of sin, and you just have this this going back and forth of the Jew and Gentile uh, throughout the whole book. Um, all right, let's start there in verse one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith it speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that... That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over, over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right. So in verse 11, the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to, sh put to shame. All right. Um, in verse 12, uh, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So he's saying the Jew and, and Gentile, whoever calls upon him, this is a universal call, Jew or Gentile, um, <clears throat> God is the same over, over, all, over all of them. And then in verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this but not being put to shame, is that the same as in verse 13 as being saved? It appears that way. Yeah. So, yeah, so this belief and calling now become the same thing essentially. Um, and, he, and he's telling them there in verse 12, for there's no distinction Whoever calls uh, Jew or Gentile, uh, God is the same over both of them. Does that make sense? Am I following that? Okay. All right. So when you get to verse 14, 
He says, How then shall they call in whom they have not believed? So here was the prerequisite uh, to being called. You have to have belief before you will call. Alright? And then he says, And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? So what's the prerequisite to believing? Hearing. Hearing. So then we got hear, believe, and call. Right here, uh, back to back. Alright? And then he says, uh, And how shall they hear without a preacher? So how do you get how do you eventually get to the calling? By being called. <laughs> by being called how? By the gospel. By the gospel. By by this right here. It's not the Holy Spirit. Two or three more verses. Some yeah. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. But you know you going back to kind of what Matt was talking about about people wanting to say these these things about this calling or, you know, however uh, they want to frame it, uh, a lot of them want to say, well, you know, the Spirit did something to me, appealed to me, however. Uh, Paul is saying here that someone has to teach you this, or you have, to, you have to hear these words here before you can get to the belief side and then before you can call. So all these things are intertwined very, very, very closely. in relationship to that idea of a, a surname which comes from your father mm-hmm. or you, you think about the idea of a vocation which comes from the boss you know it's always this idea of back to an authority mm-hmm. and, and where does the invitation come from always like that yeah God alright Verse 15, How shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Now in verse 16, what is synonymous there? Belief and obedience. All right, so he says they have not all obeyed. And then he says, the Lord has who has believed our report. So he, he's meshing those two. It's the same as in Hebrews chapter 3. And I think we're going to get to there. Um, I want to bring out some things there in talking about how a lot of these things intertwine. But you see belief and obedience being the same here. And then in verse 17, a passage that we're, you know, verse that we're uh, very familiar with. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. And then verse 18. But I say they have not... Have they not heard? He's as a question. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of, ends of the world. So he's saying, yes, they've heard. And then in verse 19, but I say, did Israel not know? For Moses, first Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. All right, so who's he talking about here? The hearing and the knowing in verse 18 and 19. Yeah, Israel, the Jews. Well, uh, and, and he's referencing that, you know, how they were so bitter about the Gentiles mm-hmm. responding to, you know, that they mm-hmm. were rejected because the Gentiles would accept it all, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, so who should have had the faith in verse 17? If you, the Jews should have had that faith. And then he's saying, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he's saying all the Jews heard it, but what did they not do? They didn't do it. And so, um, 
Yeah, he didn't. They didn't believe. So here again, all these things are so very closely intertwined, and so this calling. If you go all the way back to verse 13, this calling is all these things meshed together: belief, hearing, believing, and obeying. All those things are they're they're all the same. You can't get to one without having all this other in there. All right, verse 20. But Isaiah is very. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. So verse 18 and 19, he's saying, yes, he's appealed to them all day long, basically. Uh, well, he does say that all day long. He stretched out his hand. God has stretched out his hand to Israel, and they are not um, responding. They are not calling on his name. They are not believing in Yes. Because the term now is, you know, I'm going to invite Jesus into my heart. Well, okay. But you're not, you know, it's not like you're the originator. You know, you, yeah. if they want to take a position like I'm originating this, when in truth, you're responding. Yeah. yeah. The calling is your responding. The, belief, the hearing, believing, and obedience. Does that all make sense? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there any questions, comments? Let's go to Hebrews 3. Volunteer to read 7 through 19. Go ahead, Matt. 7 through 19. Yes, sir, please. <clears throat> Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Alright, so uh, this hearing here in verse uh, 7 and in verse 15, what is that? Is that just, just like you just hear something? That's not what he's saying there. Uh, because they heard. We know they heard. Like they physically heard it, uh, but he say, yeah, yeah. All right, but what is he saying here today? If you will hear his voice, what, is, what does that mean today? If you will do it, do it. I mean, it's here. I just I want us to look at that to see that, you know, that this this idea of uh, 
you know, how we think of calling or hearing or anything, it's not always just physically what's going on uh, as far as just physically hearing, just like you're just hearing my voice right now. He's, he's saying here doing, uh, and that isn't the only thing that, that's referenced like that in Scripture. Uh, and I kind of just want to... get kind of a little bit of age on. You're going to probably have an opportunity. Son, did you hear me? Well, what you know is, yes, he did hear you. Yeah. And that's not what you mean, is did you hear me? What you... <laughs> you know what you mean. Why didn't you do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, and, it, and it goes back again to this idea of authority. When you think about it, just a minute, mm-hmm. you'll see that you know, the Father, you know, the, there's this appeal and, and there's this invitation to do, you know, and that calling or that response, this a communication, mm-hmm. you know, between the two. Well, how do, how do you communicate? How does a son communicate to his father? How do we communicate to our Heavenly Father when he tells you time and time again, this verbal ascent is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the response is if you'll hear his voice, don't harden the heart. In other words, yeah. pay attention to what you do mm-hmm. and do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then in verse 18 and 19, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, uh, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So here again, obedience and belief are the same. You know, that's what's referenced here in Scripture. Only believe in him and Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Is there any question on that? And you notice, you know, if you go back to the story that's being referenced here, who out of that group did enter the promised land? And who were they and what did they do? Yeah. You know? Just the two, wasn't it? Caleb yeah. And Caleb and Joshua. Yeah, yeah. Just them two. Yep. Well, their belief yeah. there, their generation. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he had promised them and everything he had done for them, for mm-hmm. them, and not mm-hmm. the things they saw, that's really a good parallel for us. To trust in his promises because of everything he has done for us. Mm-hmm. He does for us. Well, really, Acts 2 and Romans 10 were the two easiest places I found to really kind of show exactly what is this <laughs> calling on the name of the Lord, what all is entailed in that. Um, and like I say, I hope it wasn't oversimplistic, uh, but uh, it does break it down for us pretty in a pretty simple way. Paul does there in, in Romans 10 for sure. And you, and you can kind of see in, in those early chapters in Romans that part of what he's saying is that basically every day when I make the sun come up, I'm calling to you. know, I'm, I'm inviting you. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm giving, you know, just kind of like he said, all day long I reached out to them. Every single day he provides, you know, evidence of who he is. He, there's an invitation there to everybody every day all the way around the globe. I mean, uh, 
he gives us that every day. Yeah. yeah. I want to wrap up with two two verses real quick. Um, just looking at uh, what the called, you know, what the people who are called, what are we supposed to be doing? Second Timothy two and verse twenty two. Second Timothy two and verse twenty two. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. First Peter two and verse nine. First Peter two and verse nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Uh, here again, this idea of him who called you. Uh, so that call being uh, from God. Is there any, any questions? That's all I got.